0: anything goes motto of the show let your Greek flag fly
1: probably the only good advice i'll ever give you is to re-hide your whips and chain here is your host kathy hey welcome to the strictly known as podcast with kathy you haven't followed the strictly known as podcast yet on instagram or twitter Make sure to follow me at Strict Anonymous. If you want to be on the show, it's called Strictly Anonymous because everyone remains anonymous on my show. I change everyone's voices. I change everyone's names. You could call me from a phony number. I just want to hear your true story. So if you have an interesting Naughty true story that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous, send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com, or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com, and click on Be on the Show. If you have an interesting confession you want to get off your back, you could call my confessions hotline. I have one of those too. You could call my hotline 247 347 420 That's 347 420 3579. You have four minutes, to leave a message. Make sure you're uh, in a quiet location, please. If you need more time, just call back. I air all those confessions on my Patreon. My Patreon not only has hundreds of naughty confessions on there, I do Q&As where I answer questions. Uh, you get all the episodes early and ad-free. You get all the anonymous sexy pics of all of my female guests as well as some of my guy uh, male guests, as well as access to my super naughty discord channel it's starting to be like a nice uh community uh, a place where people could post their own stuff people get naughty on my discord i'm not involved in my discord but it is a place that you get access to if you join my patreon most of my callers post the x-rated stuff over there if you join you could post your x-rated stuff other people post their x-rated stuff there's probably almost like 900 or a thousand people on there as of now. You get all of that on my Patreon. For just five dollars a month, you could cancel it anytime. It's patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. That's patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. All the information that I just gave you is in the description. Now today I have on Richard. Richard's going to go to Discord, he said uh, afterwards, and he'll probably post more stuff over there. But Richard called in to talk all about his life. Now, listen, Richard's only 44 years old, and I feel like he's had five different lifetimes, or he just called in. He's had so much go down in his lifetime he first talks about how he lost his virginity i mean there was a threesome and dp involved it was very alternative okay for a guy that didn't have much game i mean richard is like this guy that started to do very alternative things because he just didn't really know how to navigate the regular world picking up girls dating them so he had all this action before He had relationships that was very alternative, like his for losing his virginity story, and then he winds up moving to another country. He talks about he went moved to Amsterdam for a gig. He was American but moved there and then he got hardcore into the red light district and he Fuck sex workers for a good year, and he did all kinds of women. He talks about all the the differences between the women from the different countries that worked in the red light district. Like who was good, who wasn't so good, what he liked, what he started out liking, what he loved at the end. Uh, The difference between red light district workers versus other countries uh, because it's like really regulated and there's laws attached how the girls are treated and how they feel about what they do. Uh, He gets into that a little bit. It's super interesting. He eventually then, because like I said, he doesn't know how to pick up girls in the regular world, decides to start going to swingers clubs as like a solo guy. Okay. <laughs> this is how this guy's rolling, right? So he starts going to swingers clubs. He's still like a young guy. He uh, winds up to be a guy that gets hooked up with a lot of couples. He's got a big dick. He talks about that. A lot of couples pick him up. So he talks about that whole error of his life that he was going to like swingers clubs and hooking up with couples. And then he decides to get fucking married, have the white picket fence. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Why did this guy who's so alternative decide to do that? I don't know, because most people read that fucking book, right? And they think, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do at this point. And he did it. He got married and he winds up in a sexless marriage. And that's an interesting story because at some point the woman that he's married to, that he's not having sex with, that he's frustrated that. There's no sex involved and he's repressing all his feelings and years are going by and he's not getting laid. Uh, She eventually becomes like a big, famous influencer. So by the time he's like, I'm just going to fucking cheat on this bitch because it's been like 13 years. He can't because she's so famous and he's all over her Instagram that he realizes that if he did anything, he'd get busted. Okay, so he winds up being very straight up in his cheating. He goes on an app. He cheats on her. He talks about that talks about the end of their relationship and the end of that divorce and how after that he went out he was straight up honest as well when he was going to start dating again and in walks his current girlfriend who's way younger than him he's like in his 40s now early 40s he met a way younger girl they were open and honest about everything that they were into right from the beginning that's something he didn't do with his first wife and he talks about that why he wasn't honest and why he wound up never being honest with her but with this girl that he's with now he's very open and honest they're into a lot of things including going to BDSM clubs together they're planning to do a lot of threesomes they're planning an orgy at the end of this year they're very open they're gonna live out all their fantasies he's realized he wants to be with a guy She's pegged him. She's very into girls. And they're all ready to do a lot of different things. So he's living his best life. He's come full circle. Okay. I don't know. Like I said, when you hear a story, you're like, why did this guy ever decide to try to be vanilla? I don't know. Because he never was. Not even from the beginning. From his losing his virginity story, which is, like I said, involves like a DP. Who has that on the virginity story? To what he's doing now, some po- at some point, the fact that he was vanilla in the middle of all that was like interesting. So you're going to like his story. It's super interesting. Richard's an interesting guy. He did send me anonymous pics. They're over on my Patreon. So if you want to see them, sign up. Patreon.com slash Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Anyway, I'm going to be right back on with Richard. This is the
2: Strictly Anonymous Podcast.
1: Hi, Richard. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. How are you? How are you today? I'm, I'm doing pretty
2: well, Kathy. How are you today?
1: Good. Now, Richard, I mean, I think you're only in your 40s now still, right? But you I feel like you've had like 10 lifetimes. You've done a lot in your 40-something years. I think 44 is young to me because I'm older than you, right? <laughs> but I feel like you've already like, okay. you know, <laughs> moved to another country. Uh, had a, You moved from the United States to like Amsterdam, right? It was, I think, and you had you have a lot of information about like exactly, Amsterdam yeah. and the sex workers. And then you had this whole time where you were going to swingers clubs as a solo guy in another country so we're going to talk all about that and then you had a whole sexless marriage and we're going to talk about that and then after that you Uh, met a new girl that you're with now and you have a very open relationship threesomes bdsm stuff i mean this is a lot of lifetimes you've lived in your 44 years you know what i mean like it's you've done a lot already right i mean when i when i think about it yeah
2: it's like we discussed before we take the I've been fortunate in my life that I thought that when I lived in the United States, that was way back in 2005, that I was going to have a very regular, normal life and such. And I was having the path to have a very uninteresting life. And I was five years out of university. I went to university to study uh, 3D animation, which I wanted to work in video games and such. And then one day I applied for a job that I didn't think I was ever going to get. And then little by little, the process came. And then before I knew it, I I got a ticket and I was uh, moving to Amsterdam.
1: Yeah, but wait, I do know a little tidbit, okay? Because I, I know a little backstory because people tell me their backstory before you sign up. D- didn't you lose your virginity in a very odd way? I mean, not in an odd way, but a very not vanilla way. Wasn't it in a fucking threesome? And when you were really old? I mean, it was like, right? Yeah.
2: The thing is, I, I was a very late bloomer in life. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't, I came from a family that we didn't talk about emotions. We didn't talk, my father was never good about telling me about girls or anything like that brother. Turns out he was gay, so he was struggling with oh. his things at the time. So I didn't have a lot of mentors in my life to sort of teach me how it was to actually talk to women and such. So time passed. I graduated from university. I, was, I wasn't I an angular guy, but I didn't have the personality and a lot of the basic information that, I, that a lot of men have by that age to be able to meet a partner, to be able to go out and date and such. And I had a really wonderful group of friends from art school and then one of them was like, well, I talked to my girlfriend and she thinks you're cute as fuck and it's kind of a shame that you're still a virgin. So they they invited me to have a threesome with them. And and it's weird because you would think it's a virgin that would be something that I would be absolutely terrified and such, but not really. I, yeah. I, think, I think by that point, I just wanted to lose my virginity so bad that I just agreed to it and such. And then I came over to the house. We had a very lovely dinner we we had a ve- we had some nice wine and then we started getting to it and, and and i mean it became it was actually not as awkward as i would expect I, I don't know if it's because i he was my best friend at the time i thought his girlfriend was beautiful and then we just eventually started getting at it and then i mean if one of the things that i got from that first experience was to know that at least i have a pretty decent sized penis which makes me happy i'm very appreciative of my size and then Whenever we kind of all three of us took off our clothing and his girlfriend saw how how I looked whenever I was a wreck, she was really happy about it and such. And then we went on and we started very slowly, me and my friend kissing her, going down on her, kind of changing positions and such. Had a very lovely first time when we had sex. We calmed down a little bit, ordered some pizza, and then we had sex again. And then the, the lot towards the end, she wanted to be double penetrated. What? Yeah, she wanted she she wanted to feel how it is to be double penetrated. Uh-huh. My best friend, but he was a very kinky person at the time. He agreed, and we did that. But the only thing she insisted that if we were going to do double penetration,
1: that I couldn't do the anal because she wasn't prepared for my size. You were too big, right? Yeah, the smaller guys got to go in the yeah, in the we, ass. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. And so, so I mean, it was shortly (laughs) after that where I was sort
2: of thinking that my life is just the best that it's going to get, but this is as good as it's going to get. And a couple of weeks after that, it's very awkward experience. I got an offer for a job in Amsterdam. And in some ways, it kind of gave me the ability to sort of reinvent yourself. Because one of the things is where I lived, it's not a town in the US that I was particularly very fond of. It's somewhere in the south, if I can say. I grew up for example, in New Orleans, New Orleans, fantastic, but this town in the South, I really didn't like it. I was an unhappy person, bit of an overweight guy, and then all of a sudden you get this opportunity to go move to another country. And it's almost like it's a chance for you to reinvent yourself and to become a different version of a person because you don't know anyone. Nobody knows your embarrassments, and then so. The second that I was given an opportunity to move to Amsterdam, I just took it.
1: Yeah, wow. And that was like your dream job, right? To answer your question,
2: yes and no. Like The company that I worked with in Amsterdam was an art outsourcing company that outsourced a lot of the video game art to some of the biggest companies in the world. So if you got that sort of position and you got to work on some of the games that I got to work on at the beginning of my career, it's one of those things that every time, for example, I apply at a job anywhere, the first thing they say is, oh, you got to work on this, or oh, you got to work on that. Yeah, 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 Major. So it's one of these gigs where it's once in a lifetime, and it would open a lot of doors for me in the future.
1: Right, so it changed your life, because you go from this small town, weird place that you don't feel like you fit in. You're an artist, right? Maybe you're, like, in the middle of nowhere. And then now you're in Amsterdam, this, like, really open city. I mean, it must be, like, going from black to white, right? It's such opposite ends of the spectrum.
2: I mean, it was, a, like I said, it was a chance for me to reinvent myself and it's to go somewhere exotic yeah but like I've lived in the U.S. at that point when I lived when I uh, uh, moved from the U.S. I was 25 years old I never went outside of the U.S. Yeah. I just got my port- passport to go so it was like going to an amazing almost like a fairy tale kind of place that I've always dreamed of when I was in art school me and my friends were a little pot addicts so we always talked about going to Amsterdam and going to the coffee shops and I went from something that I dreamed of Reality. and sort of the way that I kind of looked at it before I moved is a lot of Americans whenever they come to travel to Europe they have like two weeks so when you see them they have this sort of rushed feeling where they want to try to soak in as much of it as possible yeah. and so at the time when I moved to Amsterdam I was thinking this could be the last only t- time in my life that I get to visit Europe you're going to enjoy the fuck out of it and I mean literally the, the, the day that I arrived I had other colleagues who were also coming on the same plane from the U.S. they went home to sleep I went to the ticket station, found a way to buy a ticket, and went from the little small town that's north of Amsterdam that I lived in called Purmerend, and then took a uh, train ticket and then just went right to the city, and then I walked around, looked – soaked it all in until I was exhausted and finally made my way back home.
1: Right. And now this guy, I mean, you're the guy that loses. I mean, for someone who's a late bloomer, I mean, you're losing your virginity story is pretty interesting. Most people don't have that. I mean, they're not doing they're not taking part in a DP threesome the first time they lose sex. So now here you are. Red Light District is at your fingertips. I mean, when do you start dabbling in that whole world? And I know that you have a lot to talk about what you learned about that world.
2: Well, I mean, I didn't start right away, but I would say probably within the first week. Uh uh-huh. I mean, oh, that's like, kind of right the first away. I <laughs> would that I came into, into the. That's right away. It, <laughs> exactly, first that week. is right away. Oh, yeah. But uh, first week, yeah. So I mean, the the first day that I came, for example, that was one of the first things that I saw in Amsterdam because when you, if you've ever been to Amsterdam, you know that when you. Exit the station. You walk a little bit forward along the canals. And then when you take the first left at a big bridge, for example, that's where the entrance to the Red Light District is mm-hmm. in Amsterdam. So I wanted I was curious. I wanted to check it out. So I started to make my way in that direction. And right when I got to the entrance, all of a sudden the whole crowd in front of me just parted, almost like Moses parting the Red Sea. And then that's when this massive naked guy came running past me at full speed followed by three massive Dutch cops following the guy. And then after that, his British friends coming after him, pleading with him to stop and let himself get arrested. Because as I learned later, he must have done something with the girls. And then the thing is, if you fuck around with them, he found out. And that was the first thing that greeted me, the side of this big, massive, pale, naked guy <laughs> running from his life from the uh, uh, that's right,
1: but that's a lesson too. I mean, that's the difference between a place where it's legal and not legal. They're really protected and taken care of because it is legal there, right? So these girls don't have to deal with the stuff that women here, if they do it on the DL, have to. There, like, there's laws set in place that you gotta treat these girls a specific way. You can't fuck around.
2: Exactly.
0: Ah, mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com. We make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after, rare, and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.
1: If you're looking for hot, sexy porn videos that you can feel good about watching, you need to check out Afterglow. Afterglow provides ethically created porn made by women that's going to totally turn you on, okay? They use performers who are real and relatable, and they also have a collection of edgy porn that can help you improve your sex life while turning you on. So what are you waiting for? Go check out Afterglow. And right now, Strictly Anonymous podcast listeners are going to get a seven-day free trial when you use code SAPOD at xoafterglow.com that's xoafterglow.com use my code s-a-p-o-d for a free seven day trial or just go to the description and click on the link
2: for example to give you a contrast in the town that i live in in the south they have these places called executive stress relief which is obviously places that are places for sex workers they drive the cops. No protection. Anything goes. And when you go to Amsterdam, the women who work as sex workers are in unions. They're protected by their unions. They could actually go to a bank and, and say, "I am a sex worker. I want to get a loan to buy a house." On top of that, they get tested for STDs. They get condoms. They get lube. They get protection. And that's one of the biggest things right there. It's like every when you walk along the streets of Amsterdam. When you see those women in the window, what you don't know is that is a lot of video monitoring going on, and the second that anything happens with with a John, for example, they hit the panic button and that man's going to be kicked out, and immediately the cops are going to come and take care of the guy and arrest him.
1: That's a big difference. Did you have any girlfriends when you were there, or do you just see like the? Did you just go to the red light district and get sex there?
2: I had a girlfriend towards the end of when I lived in Amsterdam, but at first I started visiting the red light district because. I have a very strong sex drive. And then at the time, truth be told, I didn't have the social skills to go meet and and find a woman and make her my girlfriend. So I just started going on average about twice a week. I mean, the first thing that I started out with, of course, is the local girls, which are the Dutch girls, which are tall, blonde, and beautiful. And then as I spend my time there, I would try different women from different countries because one of the things that I have a real big kink of is women with accents and women from different countries. So in terms of, at least when you compare it to other red light districts in other cities, Amsterdam, there's a huge variety of women from all over the place. You can find Dutch, you can find Eastern European, you can find South American, you can find African. And at first I just started with the Dutch girls, like I said, but they they pretty much want to make you come as fast as possible and there's (laughs) nothing interesting. They're incredibly pretty. They charge more compared to some of the other women. But you're gonna get like a workman like hand job to get you to finish so they can get you on and move you on to the next
1: one Right, right. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: And then let's see after that. I I'm a Spanish speaker as well, including English, or although now currently I speak three languages. So I tried meeting meeting up with some of the South American women and I had a lot of really good experiences with them because the second I come in and I find out where they were, because I mean typically how it works is you go up to a window. The girl will open the door and then you will negotiate a price in terms of what you want to do. So, if you want to do, for example, basic sex, that can be like 50 euros. If you want to do a, something a little bit more girlfriend experience, girlfriend boyfriend experience, that can be 60. If you want to do anal, for example, that can cost a little more. So, you go up to the window, you negotiate what you want to do, and then you go in. So, with the South American girls, typically I would ask them, Are you from Argentina? Are you from this country? And then when I find out that they speak Spanish, I would speak to them in Spanish myself. And typically, from South American women, I would get a much nicer response because that common language and kind of gives them sort of a sense of home. So, so whenever we get into the actual stall and start having sex, they would have a. It would be a very familiar vibe to it. They would say a lot of things like, "Oh, you remind me of the boys in my country." And for the most part, my after I figured out the Dutch women were just in it to sort of to make you come. I started being with a lot of South American women because they were very sweet. They were very affectionate, of course. And of course, they're trying to make you come. But they do it in a way where you don't feel like they're just trying to make you come. So that's after the Dutch girls. That, that was my second choice because they were just also South American girls are just amazing. Yeah. And I mean, I, it was like a buffet for me. I mean, I, I, when I lived there for the first year, I went twice a week to go visit them if I had the money for it. And then after Dutch or not, sorry, after South American girls, then I moved on to Eastern European and German. And mm-hmm. around that point is when I realized that I love to hear women fucking the sounds they make from their own country. So every time I would go and negotiate to, to be with a woman from the Ukraine or German, I would always ask them to speak to me dirty in their language. And it was fucking fantastic. I mean, a lot of the times I just had a regular, I mean, sex when I could have just afforded, but every now and then I would have a little extra money and pay for anal, for example. And sometimes the girls, they shouldn't do it, but they would give you blowjobs without a condom. That was fantastic. And then the the African girls, they were probably some of the best ones because of course they knew they were there to make you come, but they sort of had a little bit of a pride that they can do it in a way where they can not seem like that it's just sex work. And I mean, for them, the thing was what they did with their asses. A lot of the times the African women, they just knew they could, every time they would pull, they would get you into bed, they would pull out your dick. And a lot of the times they would just shush you and then just get right on top of you. And a lot of them had this move where they would put their hands on your shoulders. And just with their ass, the movement of their ass alone, it would be enough that even with a condom that you would come really, really fucking quickly. And, and they took great pride in that. So a lot towards the end, I started out with tall blonde girls. But by the time that I quit going to the red light district, I finished with African women because they were just fantastic in bed.
1: They were the best.
2: They were the best. Well, I mean, after spending about a year of having a lot of unemotional sex with a lot of sex workers, again, I wasn't quite ready to go out and meet women and get sex regularly because my personality wasn't developed. So I started to look around to see what else was available. And then I started to find out that Amsterdam had a healthy selection of swinger clubs in the city and quite a bit in the city and on the outskirts as well. Some of the better ones were there at the time. So I wanted to try to do something that was a little bit different and I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. And then the first time that I went, it was, wasn't particularly a positive experience because within the city center, what happens is they have a lot of men who think that, well, I don't want to pay for sex in the red light district. So I'm going to go to a swinger club and find a woman to hook up there. So when you get there, you find out a lot of the clubs have an overabundance of too many men, single men who go to the sex clubs to try, the swinger clubs to try to to hook up with women. So it's something that if you see some of the swinger clubs within the city center, it could be a, a little bit discouraging in terms of if you're a single man. But the thing is, one of the funny things I also discovered that I haven't seen in any swinger club in any other country is that the ones in in Holland, they had something a little ingenious to kind of take care of these single men, but also have them as customers. And they would hire sex workers to work shifts to pretend to be single women. So when these single men would come in to have sex, these women were paid for it. They would go in, have sex with them and keep the ones who weren't going to find a partner busy. And then the ones who got plucked out, like myself, through other people who are at their club, they got to go in and they got to play around while all this single men were being distracted.
1: Oh, that's so funny. How did you know when those other guys did not
2: Because I met some of these sex workers. I I befriended a lot of them when I was uh, going to the coffee shops in Amsterdam. And they would tell me some of the secrets.
1: (laughs) Okay, so it is interesting how you roll, you know, that you just keep talking about how like, you just don't know how to pick up regular women. But yet you have the balls to do all these other things. I think some people that have like a lot of game with women might not have the balls to go to like a swingers club by themselves and solo and do all that yet that kind of stuff is more is is uh less scary to you than just like meeting a real girl in the real world it's kind of interesting so now how, so your first experience wasn't that great but like when did you really get into it what went down in that world as a solo guy for you over there
2: well the it was the second time that i went to a to a swinger club again in the and you know, I'm, I'm a Latino man, but the thing is, I'm rather tall for a Latino. I'm six foot four, which mm-hmm. is very rare. Yeah. I have a pretty decent pretty dec- pretty decent, decent sized penis at about seven inches, but where it really shines its, its thickness. And then so being tall, dark haired in a town where a lot of blonde, tall people, when I went into the club, I was a natural contrast. So when they had a lot of men who were of standing in the corner holding onto their dicks, a lot of times husband and wives, whenever they needed a third man to, to play with they would come and choose me. And, and the first, the second time that I went to a senior club, that's how it started. They had a couple who were in their fifties. She was a beautiful woman in her fifties, blonde hair, looked fantastic. And then he pulled me over. He asked me something in Dutch. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't speak English. And he said, would you like to come and play with us? And I said, of course. And then I went to the little room that we were in and for his, he wanted to just sit and watch while I just fucked his wife and being 25 at the time, I had a lot of energy. The, First time that I actually did it, yeah, I, I just fucked the hell out of his wife in every position that I can think of until I can come while the husband watched. And eventually he finished himself off in the corner. So then after that, I realized I kind of have a niche. I enjoyed being the third man when it comes to threesomes. And then as I started to try some of the different swinger clubs in the city, that's what I would look for is couples who wanted a different man. Sometimes I would go in and it would just be me and the woman. Sometimes it would be me and the man and we would... Take turns double penetrating her, I fuck her in the mouth and he fucks her from behind. And I mean that was my wheelhouse in terms of what I enjoyed doing while I was started going to swinger clubs.
1: And you were popular like you said, right? because you were you had a big dick, you had brown hair. I mean, you stood out so you were always like got some action when you went to the swingers club.
2: <laughs> I did. and the, the thing is that a lot of the swinger clubs, they also had couples could have guest lists. So I had like three three pairs of couples. One fifties and two like in the 30s and 40s who every time they would write to me and say, do you want to come play with us? And then they would put me on the guest list and then I would come to the to the club and then my name would be on it and they
1: would let me in and we would just go in and play. Wow, guest list for the couples. And how many couples did you see? Did you have some yeah. regulars? I had some regulars. I had,
2: like I said, I had three of them who were, every time they had time, they would say, are you busy? And I'm like, of course,
1: fucking not. And then mm-hmm. I would meet them
2: on the nights where it would be couples and plus one nights in some of these places.
1: Yeah. It's just like I said, it's just so crazy that you're having like your whole life just goes down this very alternative path when it comes to sex. So you're just having all these experiences. You're not having many regular experiences yet where typically it's like people get all that vanilla stuff out of the way. Then they get to the point where you're at but this is like where you start and now you eventually get into like you're kind of backwards right now you eventually get into like a very vanilla sexless marriage I mean how do you go from that to that how do you go from like fucking couples at swingers clubs to marrying some woman that you never have sex with
2: well that actually started with the company that I worked at was actually a company that was actually working illegally so Mm -hmm. what happened was that all the people that I work with, eventually, we all figured out that we were working there illegally and that we were caught by the Dutch government. We would be royally, royally, royally fucked. So I resigned from the country or from the, sorry, from the company. I found a new job and, and then it, I went and moved to Denmark, which is a Scandinavian country. And then when I got to Denmark, I, uh, you know, it's one of the countries with some of the most beautiful women in the world. So instead of going there and thinking, I want to have this sort of life, because you think you're supposed to live your life in a certain way, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And you're supposed to have a girlfriend. You're supposed to have settled down. So I started, I said, you know what? I don't know shit about women, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to go start dating and I'm going to enjoy getting shot down because every time I do it, it's going to hurt less. And then I did exactly that and I started going dates. I started to have more success, a kiss here, a couple of one night stands. And then after my first year living in Denmark and Copenhagen, I met a girl online, which was very early on in terms of meeting people. She was really nice. We started dating and, and it felt pretty good. And I thought, okay, well, it's, this is really nice person. I really like her. And then unfortunately around the time when I finally settled into living into Denmark and Copenhagen, I lost my job. And then the thing is, in in uh, in a lot of these places, if you get a job, that is the visa that keeps you there. So we, me and the girl that I had been seeing, we agreed to, you know what? I like it here. Let's get married. Let's figure this out. And we did. Mm-hmm. And then, frankly, at the time when I got married, it was a I, I didn't know what love was. I didn't know what it was to be in a relationship. I agreed to it. I sort of regretted it. And uh, I unfortunately, mean, right was, away... You know, No, no, no. 13 years later. That was a long, long process. The thing is, yeah, I actually got married to this woman that I barely knew. And then I had to find a new job. And so we spent weeks looking for work. And instead of actually getting a job in, in Denmark, I got a job in Berlin, which meant that we had to get to know each other. We had to start our married life living apart from each other. And I lived for two years working at another company in Berlin. So we spent two very tumultuous years living apart from each other, me in Berlin, her in Copenhagen, and traveling back and forth, getting used to married life.
1: Did she know about your past?
2: No. Okay. She did not. Okay. She had no idea because because the thing is, when I had this naive idea that when you get married, you start to reveal these things to each other, and you kind of <laughs> start to say, "Oh, I like this. Oh, I like that." But then I quickly noticed that she was a very conservative person when it comes to sex. I mean, the, the big clue should have been is when we met together for the first time and started fucking, she always insisted on keeping her bra on. So she was someone who was very vanilla. Mm-hmm. So naturally, I kept these things from her because she was like, ugh, sex workers, ugh, swinger clubs and this. And I'm like, well, okay, well, I can't tell her, but I guess we'll figure out at some point how we can be, have a sex life together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, unfortunately that happens a lot of the time. Like you said, you think, okay, I'll bring this up later and then you start to get clues that you can't fucking bring it up and then you never do and it goes in the vault and this is when people either wind up in sexless marriage and not doing anything or living double lives because they realize they can't really be themselves with whoever they're with. Exactly.
2: I mean, like one of the biggest revelations I got was from one of your callers on the show who said, good way to start out a relationship is put all your cards onto the yeah. table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if there's if there's something that you, some sort of desire or kink that you need met and you don't say it, I mean, what happened to me, all these things that I had inside in terms of my desires, yeah. they became little fault lines in my marriage. And so yeah. as time passed and these things were not happening and such, and the, I realized that the person that I was married was very vanilla and she had her own, idea was marriage was like, I started to compartmentalize a lot of things of myself that I didn't know. And then what it caused was that I was having a double life internally. Yeah. So through the span of 13 years, I started to go from thinking, okay, this is going to change at some point. Okay. I hope it's going to change. Okay. This is not changing, but I could have my own little private life when after hours and discover who I am. And eventually it evolved to This is not going to, this marriage is not going to happen. We're just not compatible. At some point I'm going to fucking destroy all of this because it's not working.
1: Yeah. And you wind up cheating. After 13
2: years. But the
1: the, the funny thing is
2: it's I cheated on 13 years around the time that I split up. But the thing is I had set three factors that sort of kept me from cheating Uh for a long time. One was the hope that this marriage was going to get better. Yeah. Two was the fact that my mom and dad are these people who have been married for like 40 years they're like those retired people that you see on retired people commercials who are living their best life and getting everything out of it so i i had this idea that if i failed in my marriage it would be a failure thirdly my work my visa depended on it you know after at this point i had lived uh, when i met and got married i've been living now in europe for five years and i started to like it and instead of thinking that i would go back one day it that wasn't the case so Having my visa was part of it. And then lastly, when I was determined that the marriage was over and that this was all going to end, my wife, she got on Instagram and then she became an influencer. And then all of a sudden her followers blew up. She had tons of followers. And then I was like in this weird marriage where she was presenting our life as this perfect, perfect thing. And I'm the perfect husband. And look how great we look. And we're the most attractive (laughs) people ever. And... <laughs> what it does is when when you're sex when she didn't like to have sex and I mean I later discovered that she had a lot of she was assaulted sexually assaulted oh yeah she had problems with sex yeah yeah but yeah. she told me afterwards so what happened was at the point that I was determined to cheat. Or I knew that it was possible. Mm-hmm. She became so big on Instagram that I really couldn't do it because if I went around town in a town <laughs> as small as Copenhagen,
1: yeah, they know you're the women. Yeah someone
2: Yes, yeah, someone's gonna see her from Instagram and see me because she used me so much.
1: You couldn't that, um, even. Oh my god, you were really I, I backed into a corner.
2: I, <laughs> And then on top of that, I, I, we had a joint economy because I thought this is what you do when you're in a relationship. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't have the means to get sex. I didn't have the means to go for it because if I went out, yeah. someone would see me. And if the, div- and if I got divorced, I'd get kicked back to the U S with no network. Oh my god. And then, I mean, it, it sort of ended, it started to crack in 2019 because that's the point where I've had, I've had it and such. And then I was determined that I was going to leave the relationship. So I, spend my time doing all the things that it was necessary for me to get a permanent visa. And I went on to field. And then instead of actually just lying about it and fabricating this big story that a lot of men go on field and say, Oh yeah, me and my wife were poly. I was like, "Nope." let me put it straight. I'm married. I'm in a sexist relationship. I need love. I need emotion. I put all of that in my profile and about 90% of the women who were on their past divorce, because they thought it was something they, they didn't want to get involved in. And then I met one girl who was someone who was also in a lot of pain like myself and, but you know what? I'm sorry before, if it's okay, if I can jump back because you mentioned my artwork. Yeah. and there was something that that was kind of related so around the time corona started and me and my wife at the time were forced to live together I had no vent in terms of what to do with all this sexual energy and all this desire that I had in my head inside. so I didn't have anything to do I went to a little local sh- store bought myself a little small acrylic painting set and I'd start to pa- paint portraits of women because in my head I started to paint the person who would be the my future wife or my future oh, love, or right. as I called her at the time, Mrs. Right at the wrong time. So all that sexual energy and also as an excuse to get away from my uh, wife at the time, I started putting it into painting and I started to put a lot of symbolism. You've probably seen some of the paintings that I have on my Instagram. And yeah. one of the things that I put as a motif was the a blue flower, which is symbolic for desire, lust, for the the feeling of love. And that's the event that I had to, to be able to deal with the fact that I couldn't go out and cheat. My sex life was purely at nighttime, masturbation. That was it. And I really didn't have any other venues for to be able to get that energy out. And I put it into my painting, which is, I realized that I, I just started painting around when Corona started. And I realized really? that it was actually pretty Yes, yes, I know. I just started. when All I was, those pieces uh, of work
1: you have, or just for the past couple of years, you had all that in you all this time?
2: <laughs> yes, I mean, wow. I had a lot of time and a lot of sexual energy. And I put it into that because I didn't know what else to do with it. Like, yeah, that's amazing. One of the things that I learned when, when you're in a sexless marriage and you can't do you get a lot of sympathy for like for people who are closeted gay and they have these feelings that they can't go out you have a lot of sympathy for them because you start to see where do you put that? Like I was going around feeling like this fucking cliche, 40-year-old guy wanted to cheat on his wife. When you hear that, you think that man is having a midlife crisis. Yeah, And you can't talk to people about that. You can't say, I want to cheat on my wife because I have desires of love i want someone to be good to me and then you go
1: on to field right you're putting it out there like you're being honest about it at that point like you say you're you can't really tell people about it but you did i mean you got to the point where you're like i'm just gonna fucking put it out there
2: exactly and and i met this one girl she was lovely girl she was also someone who was in mutual pain just like myself we chatted you know everything was on the table she was like it's okay i don't care we started to chat and then one the the my ex at the time was a teacher. She had a teacher conference that she had to go out of town. And then me and this woman arranged a date at somewhere that was very quiet. And and frankly, my wife being an influencer, it was as short of a dump. So it's not the kind of place someone who follows her on Instagram would see because she's it's it's all about aesthetics with my ex. So we met this girl, had a lovely date, walked into the park at nighttime, had a kiss and Afterwards, chatted and said, I like you, I want to keep seeing you. And then we had to find this elaborate system of how we can talk to each other and how we can cheat with each other. So we like found all of the most ugly places in Copenhagen that no influencer would never go. That would be our little meetup spots. We had in my like secret folder on my phone. That's how we chatted. I would have spinning classes that I would go to and we would meet up, go to her place, have sex. We, she sometimes would come to my office at work. We had a lot of sex at my office at work and, and sort of kept that going for about a month. And, and, and to be honest, I I don't understand how people who can, they can cheat for years at a time. It's beyond me. It was so stressful. It was exciting. It was fun. And every time that we got to meet each other, me and this woman that we're having an affair with, it was fantastic, but I can't imagine how people do that. And we did that for a month. And then at, at some point my ex started to catch hold of it started to get a, an ocean and we went on a trip to Stockholm that we were planning to do and then at the most beautiful location in Stockholm that you can think that's where my wife at the time asked me <laughs> are you cheating on me
1: oh no and and I
2: said yet yeah. wow and I said yes and then we spent the next two days intensely just in that hotel room talking crying breaking it all down and and then in the end she was like do you really want to divorce me? And I said, yes. I, I sort of divorced. I told her I wanted to divorce. My current girlfriend, she said I had a woman's divorce that my marriage was over years ago and I mourned it for many, many years. So when I told her that I wanted a divorce, she was completely taken aback and she had no idea. Wow. And then, yeah, after that we, we separated, we got all our things. I went into my own apartment and about two months after everything was finalized. I went back into the dating market for the first time in 13 fucking years. And uh, I mean, I'm one thing that I've learned from my marriage experience is that you, I'm not a conventional person in any way.
1: Yeah, So you've instead never of going out there and just <laughs> listen to your story, not at all. So yeah.
2: <laughs> no, 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 not at all. So instead of actually going into Tinder and just going on random dates and meeting women and fucking them, I just went into field again because It was a, it's a little different environment. And I put all my cards out on the table. This is me. I want honesty. I'm kinky. I'm by curious, all these things. And I didn't, I'm not a man who chooses, goes after younger women. I don't lust. I don't have a fetish for younger women, but at the time the dating app, they had a, a age range from 23 to like 50 or something that I put it. And then this lovely girl who's 24. She's like, Hey, I read your profile. I think you're fantastic. It's really nice to have such honesty in a man, and then we chatted back and forth. And after a couple of days, we went on a date, and we've been seeing each other ever since.
1: What's interesting is, and I'm assuming because the scroll is open and you have an open relationship, where you're doing threesomes and stuff. That I'm thinking maybe you're like my other guest that you know what typically happens the first time around people, like you said, read the book and think that they got to do things a certain way and they go about and they do it because they're like, okay, this yeah. is what I'm supposed to do and I got to get married, I got to... And they follow the, what's in the fucking book but after it doesn't work out, typically, mm-hmm. people the second time around do is put it out on the fucking table like you did. You just said straight up, this is who yeah. I am, this is what I fucking want and what shows up, exactly that, right?
2: Exactly. I mean, my the, the girl that I have now... She's fantastic. She is. We're not in an open relationship. We call it monogamish. Okay. But herself, she is very sex positive. She is. She is bisexual. She's into girls. And so this, the time that we've been together, we've been sort of. Right now, we're at the phase where we're about to start opening our relationship. to threesomes. We've done a lot of talking, and one of the things that I've actually gotten from your show, which I really enjoy, is people' motiv- people's motivations when it comes to having open relationships or swinging uh-huh. and then what leads to what leads to it fucking up and what leads to it, a happy couple in a happy relationship. Totally. And from as far as, and from what I can see from my girlfriend where we both go into it with the feeling that we think it's hot to see each other with another person. Like my, yeah. my girlfriend, she's like, I want to see you fucking another girl and looking at me while you do it. I want to, I want to fuck another girl in front of you. And so it's not, about me or her finding other people to fuck with. We would just want to do it because we both enjoy it. My girlfriend enjoys it, I enjoy it. And I think right now we're in the, the, the laying down the foundation in terms of what our rules are. And I have an idea within the next couple of weeks, we're going to be setting something up. Of, we're, I mean, because I really love this girl. I mean, she is fantastic. And I've told her so many aspects of myself. For example, I'm very bi-curious. Mm-hmm. I'm, I want to try that one day. So all of the deepest, darkest things that I never told anyone in my life, she knows, she loves, and she accepts, and she thinks it's fucking hot. So right now we're sort of in the phase of laying down the groundwork in terms of how is it going to be when we try it? How, what what sort of aftercare are we going to have? What do we want to try first? Just a girl? Are we going to swap with somebody else? And then I think the conclusion we've come up with, because her friends and her group of friends are all kinky people and they're all people in open relationships that we're probably going to find one of her female friends or one of her girlfriends and, and try that as our first time in terms of a threesome.
0: Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne.
1: Yeah, well, it's like you're gonna pay it forward, right? I mean, like, you started out with your, you know, your friend bringing you into a threesome and hooking you up. She's gonna bring her friend in and hook her friend up, right? I mean, it's like, it's like oh your life god. is. Oh my god! Your this... life, your life is coming full circle. Pretty, pretty, pretty much, yeah. And it's and it's all gonna call,
2: culminate that we're having this New Year's party that we're going with four couples uh-huh. and I think three girls, and we're gonna rent a summer house for a week. And it's going to be no holds barred. We're going to just stay there. Oh. We're each going to have our there's hot tubs. There's going to be BDSM. There's going to be threesomes. They're going to be foursomes. They're going to be voyeurism. Everything that's going to happen is going to happen in New Year's.
1: Wait, when is New Year's for so at you? Least when, when is New Year's for you? Not at the end of this year? That New Year's? At the end of
2: uh, at the, Yeah, at the end of this year. Exactly. Okay.
1: So, wait, does everybody that's uh, signing up for this trip know that this is like one big fucking orgy?
2: yes oh exactly. interesting it, something
1: to look forward so to it's, so six it's be, months I, of hot like oh my god you know what i mean six months of just thinking about it that's a lot of foreplay by the time you get there you're all gonna fucking explode
2: <laughs> no no me and my girlfriend we've already talked about whether boundaries is who we want to fuck what we want to do you know she last time she was with her friends she's like you know what i'm not really into pegging and then her girlfriends were like, well, if your boyfriend wants to get pegged, boom, we, we're going to do a conga line and do it and such. So it's going to be wow. fucking hot to it.
1: Yeah, but that's kind of interesting because you're all in the know. So like I said, there's a lot of foreplay that could go on between now and then because there's a lot of talk about it. You're Not only are you setting the rules and the boundaries, you're creating the fantasies. What's going to happen? I mean, that's kind of like an interesting way to set it up and plan for it so many months in advance with a group of people that you've never done anything i just i, I i'm gonna need that update of what goes down at that you know vacay <laughs> because it's gonna be like oh, a lot I mean, of firsts love, for people right
2: yeah definitely and i mean a lot of the, the the energy we get we these groups of people we all go to this local bdsm club in copenhagen called oh. smile or Smile in danish and then when we go there we, they have different kinds of BDSM nights. So they have nights where it's a lot of like doms, bottoms. They have an evening called spanko, which is just purely spanking. And then when we go there, we, we play with our friends. There's a lot of physical and sexual energy. And I think it's going to all culminate at the end of this year when we go to the summer house for a week and then just stay there and then do whatever the fuck we want.
1: OK, so now when you're going, though, to these BDSM nights with your girl and everything, there's never been any kind of playing around with anybody else, just like maybe spanking and stuff, because you said you you haven't really been open, but you do go to these clubs where people are naked and shit is going down, right? But nothing has gone down.
2: Mm-hmm. It goes down between me and my girlfriend, but I sort of give her sort of like the rule that we have nothing at the moment is nothing involving any sort of orifices. Yeah, but in terms of men want to come do stuff, feel her, grab her ass, or women want to touch or kiss or whatever, we're very open to that. But we're slowly figuring out our boundaries, what we, what we want to do. And I figured before we go to the summer house, we're probably gonna have a threesome before that, if possible, to figure out where our boundaries are and how we feel about it.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and then so
2: we finally get to the summer house, we can decide what we're comfortable with and what we're not.
1: Yeah, and now what about the guy-on-guy guy action for you? You've never had any con- any of that, but you're curious and open to trying it.
2: Yes, yes. My girlfriend, like for example, I told her about it, and she thinks that's hot as fuck. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Yes, you can fuck another man, you can suck his dick. I just need to be there watching. I need to be in the cuck chair and see what happens when it happens." So, I mean, we've discussed it, and like I told her, you know, when when I'm ready, I will let let her go. F- pick the man. yeah, And then we will see how far it goes. Because the thing is, and one of the things that my girlfriend, because of course she's young, but she has a lot of experience with sex. One of the things that a lot of men don't actually think of when it comes to their sexuality, that if you have a gay thought or a bisexual thought, it doesn't mean that you're gay. Like my my girlfriend, she says she is romantically attracted to men. She wants to have a relationship with, with men, but she thinks women are hot and pussy is hot. And she can see herself fucking other women. And then the same way, I think that's a lot of an exercise that a lot of men need to take, because just because you look at, get excited when two men are fucking each other, or excited when you see a guy having sex with a trans woman and you, you, it sexually arouses you, it doesn't mean that necessarily anything. It could be that's a fantasy. It could be that it's, you could just fuck a person of the same sex and have that be just a physical experience. And I'm not sure what it's like, you know, like I, I haven't tried it yet. I haven't done anything with another man, but I I think gay and gay porn and bisexual porn is really fucking hot. I think watching it is really hot. And hey, did you ever I watch don't know my? How it is.
1: Wait, did you ever watch my guys Maverick Man? Did you listen to their episode? Do you know about them? If you if you like gay porn, okay. No, no. I had Maverick. Man. No, I haven't. Okay, when you get off, you go listen to the Maverick Men. Okay, if you're interested in gay porn. And uh, you think that's kind of hot? This is listen to their episode. They're fucking a killer couple. They're super interesting. They became like big porn stars, not on purpose, but by accident. But they're two guys that go out. They're very much in love. They're together, but they go out and they fuck guys. And they have a whole series where they fuck virgins and stuff but i think and they're very dirty i interviewed them they're killer they're awesome the interview is actually really interesting and then when you go see their porn you're going to be like fucking into it okay because it's hot um so if you're okay if, jesus Christ, yeah yeah, jesus. yeah go try it let me ask you this real quick before we get off do you have you tried any um like pegging or started like any kind of anal play to to practice like with your girl
2: yeah my girlfriend she's pegged me uh several times
1: okay so and you
2: and then on my my own oh yeah fuck yeah it's really hot because she is more of a switch Uh so most of the time she is a sub but sometimes when she becomes the dom she becomes a little goblin mode and she enjoys the fuck out of it so she she fucks me with that strap on with fucking gusto and i enjoy it
1: (laughs) she's into it that's so funny and now was she the first person you tried that with
2: Yes, she was. That's because the thing is, one of the things like I tell her that, that you know, especially when it comes to jealousy, because I've I, I've said to her many times that it could be that one day you're with another man, and it could be that he has a bigger dick than me. It could be that he, make, he fucks you better than I do. But when it comes down to it, you love me and I love you. Yeah. And then it's that sort of deep trust that you have with someone that you can start trying a lot of things that you would never try because you trust the person, you know, I trust her with my life. So it's the first time she's like, is it okay if I put a dildo in your ass? That's fine. Is it okay if I lick your asshole? That's fine. And the fact that I have that strong trust with her means that I'm willing to try so many things that I thought before I'd be scared of. And, and I fucking enjoy it. I mean, I think being pegged is fucking fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting because, listen, I've been doing my show for nine years. I'm t- typically talking to people who are living secret lives. But like you, I like to hear all different stories because some you learn from, some you want to do the same thing, right? The ones that have good endings, the ones that have bad endings. What what's great about your story, too, it hammers down this same thing as that, you know, You really, if you're not in a relationship yet, next one you go into, just put your shit out there from the beginning or start Mm -hmm. from that place so you don't have to fail before you get to there because it is exhausting living a a secret life. Whether you're doing it like you were for a very long time, you were just living it in your head and it was fucking exhausting, you know, and then you go do Mm -hmm. it and that's exhausting you know it's just so much easier to be with somebody that you're open with and it's sad to me because so many times i'm listening to people that are with their partner for double digit years and they cannot express yeah. to them their real desires so they're going out and living them with somebody else and you would think it should be the opposite the person who knows the most the person you're closest with your fucking wife your husband that's the person you should feel the most comfortable being your big old dirty self with. But yet, for some reason, doesn't make sense, but it does. That's the person that people can't be themselves with. And so they're going out and doing it with True. other people. And that's where you don't want to be. You're lucky you wound up with a young person because I think younger people are much more open and they roll like your girl does. But True. I think <clears throat> you wound up meeting that person because... You really put yourself in a place where uh, before you even met somebody, you're like, this is who I fucking am. So there was no other person you were going to meet than somebody that was into it. I mean, I listen, I think it's just funny because your path was always alternative. You really always lived in that world. It's interesting that you wound up yeah. so vanilla for that certain time that you did but it makes more sense that you are where you are now because it's so much more in line with who you've always been, like for real. I think your sexless marriage, though, was kind of interesting and funny, and that your girl wound up to be like this big, <laughs> yeah. this big influencer, and that it is just as interesting as the rest of your life. Because, like I said, you've been very alternative, you know? So I think that there was like something very interesting about that story, too as interesting as the other parts but i mean now the sky's the limit of where you go with your girl i do want at the end of the year next january we got to talk and we got to hear all the crazy things you did with your girl on that on that vacay but i and i think that you're going to be doing things before then too right because you said you're going to start with some threesomes and stuff before most likely and then you're gonna have that big orgy so we're definitely gonna get an update from you richard
2: can i say one thing if if you're in a person who who is in a marriage like that like myself and you feel trapped, there's still always fucking time. If you have life, if yeah. you have your hope, if you have your health, get the fuck out of whatever you are. It will yeah. be fucking hard at one point, but when you get to it and you find the kind of life and the kind of partner and the kind of sex life you like, it's fucking wonderful, and it doesn't matter how old you are.
1: Yeah, that's how I feel. I feel like as long as you're alive, you could always completely change things up. Life is short. I think people don't really believe that they're going to die. I know every day that that is going to happen. That's how I live my life. Like you could just fucking drop dead. I have reinvented myself many times and done. And I and I will again 10 more times. Because I really believe you're just going to fucking die one day. So live life. That carpe diem, it's a real fucking thing. And it's sad that so many people don't and so many people think you get to a certain point and you can't do anything anymore. And you're just like, you're on autopilot. But that's not fucking true. As long as you were breathing, you could grow and change and you could change things up and you could do whatever the fuck you want. And now's the time to do it for sure. I live that way. I think it's amazing that you do and, you know, hopefully you'll inspire somebody else to maybe get out of their bad relationship to show them, like you said, it might be, it's going to be hard at first, but you'll get to the other side. Every life goes on. Everyone will be better off for it. I'm sure your influencer girl, her life went the way her life was supposed to, but your life is is more in line with who you really are. Okay. True true yeah
2: she's already she's already married again and with a child so to give you an idea we were both in some sort of sense of denial about how much we were not for each other
1: exactly right but she's doing what she wants to be doing and you are like there's no victims it's like she's happier too it's not like oh poor her she wound up with the better partner that was better suited for who she was and and you as well so you know everyone will be better for it so thank you richard thanks so much for calling in and sharing your story keep me posted. Let's talk again after your big orgy. Like I said, you're not just going to have that story. You're going to have all the threesome (laughs) stories before. So we'll get that update. And thanks again, like I said, for calling in and sharing your story. And if you have pics and you want to send in, I'm assuming your girl knows you're calling in. If you want to send in some anonymous pics, if you want, I could share on my Patreon. That's cool. You know, if you have them, if you want to, if not, it's fine with me.
2: Well, I do. I, I, I can just Photoshop them out and with the parts that don't need to be seen. Inside. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I would Perfect. love
1: to do that. OK, awesome. So send me that. That's for my Perfect. Patreon members. And then I'll give you access for calling into my show. I'll give you free access to my Discord channel and you could do whatever you want over there and talk to people and stuff. That's free for you because you called in. My Patreon members pay for that. But there's like 900 people on there. Maybe by the time yours airs, it'll be a thousand. But you'll have access to that. I'll send you the link for that once your episode goes up.
2: Lovely. Thank you so
1: much, Kathy. All right. Thank you, Richard. Thanks so much for calling in. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. If you want to follow the show, follow me at Strict Anonymous on Instagram or Twitter. That's at Strict Anonymous. If you are on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. I love YouTube